following is a digital media production. There is a new frontrunner in the Democratic presidential campaign, and his name is Bernie Sanders. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about that and a lot more. The Mandatory Samson Podcast, coming to you live from Stand Up New York Labs in the heart of New York City. It's Manhattan. Hi. My name is Chris Flannery. I'm joined, as always, by Joseph Noe. Hi, guys. Producing the program, Shelby. How's it going, bud? My mic's not on. Oh, yeah. No, oh, look at that. I got you set up. I know what's going on. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the program. The political revolution is underway. Prepare accordingly. We have prepared accordingly with a full New Hampshire primary recap. We're going to close this show with some Democratic and Republican debate clips that yeah. I, I found and I think are worth listening to that took place before the New Hampshire primary. In between, a little bit of a patchwork quilt, a hodgepodge, a pastiche, Joey. We have a, a lot of stuff to get to. A little bit of a bunch of quick hits in between all this other stuff that we're going to cover. So like a giant blanket. Yeah, like a nice warm quilt on a cool summer uh, cool summer night. What a dummy. <laughs> uh, we also have a few... Sh- <clears throat> we also have a few shout-outs and a good email in a couple of minutes. Nice. Sound good to you? Sounds great. Uh, look at this. I'm wearing my Bernie Sanders shirt. It came in the mail. You want to stand up and show the, uh, the viewers? Well, whatever. I mean, I don't know if we cut to a close-up or whatever. So you- can kind of see it right we on me here yeah look at that if you're watching on the youtube you can see it youtube.com slash mandatory samson you can watch the full episode videos or even watch the show stream live every thursday at 4 p.m joey before we get into the emails the shout outs any of the political stuff which i yes. am excited to get into um did you watch the super bowl any thoughts about the super bowl? i did watch the super bowl all right and i was highly perplexed by the halftime show really what what i think too much was going on okay a lot of flowers, apparently. Yeah, Cole. Look, I don't have a Coldplay. Obviously, has become quite quite a joke. It's funny that that's what you went to. I mean, the big conversation has been Beyonce and her formation video and all the uh, the Black Panther dancers in the background and all this this other bullshit that people I like are mad big about. black hats. It doesn't bother me at all. Go, you go, girl. You go get it, Beyonce. It doesn't bother me at all. Good for you. Uh, Coldplay is like a punchline kind of a band i feel like like them and nickelback is sort of what people uh-huh. use as like a joke band coldplay's fine I, I like a lot of the coldplay songs it's not they're not my favorite band but but yeah to your point with too much going on with the flowers and uh oh, believe in love and all that shit coldplay is like a very 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 watered down derivative beatles you know what i mean like that's kind of the vibe where it's like oh we're super artsy and like into india and shit but it's just this weird See, somewhat cultural appropriation kind of thing that they have going on where like they're pretend Buddhists, I guess. I, I don't know. It's, okay. just, it's it's annoying. But you got any thoughts about the game I was more referring to uh, or anything yes. like that? Any of the commercials? Because I have a commercial that I, again, I'm not offended by it, but it was just like, what, what are you doing? This is bizarre. We're going to play it in a minute. You want to know what my favorite commercial was? Yeah. What's your favorite commercial? Puppy, monkey, baby. Yeah. What the hell was that about? I loved it. I, they were trying to sell me something what, what? from Mountain Dew. 
Oh, was it Mountain Dew? I think it was Mountain Dew. Yeah, see, I mean, I didn't even... I, that advertisement did not work because I had no idea what that was about. But it was so cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it wasn't cute. I think people were creeped out by it. I, I want to say the game was f- boring, essentially. I mean, it was a, a defensive game. The way I know, it's supposed to be. It's a Super Bowl. Well, no, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. I'd rather see, you know, what's a, the saying? A 65. I know defense wins championships. Thank absolutely. You. And I said that a number of times. Obviously, I, I, I wanted Cam Newton to win um, because it would annoy the most people if he did win. <laughs> um, and I like him. I don't have a problem with Cam Newton, but I also don't, you know, Peyton's fine. He's been a, a great quarterback and great leader for many years but whatevs uh do you have anything to say about cam newton's uh press conference yes or no 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 okay it doesn't bother i mean look that's how he wanted to do it it's fine all right you know people get up in arms about stuff like that where it's like oh show some respect like be classy it's like that but it's just what he wants to do you don't have to fit into any mold you think brady is the classiest guy when he loses you know no no and that's fine it doesn't bother me you're an athlete your job is to play sports. It's not to, you know, look look like a a true professional at every, yeah, it's at just, every moment. It's know? just some people are better at pouting than others. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it's annoying. He's 26. He didn't want to lose the Super Bowl. He, you know, probably felt bad about that, and he got annoyed. So it's okay. That does, that does not – none of that stuff really bothers me at all. Like, poor sport. I respect guys that come out and are class acts, and I go, oh, you know what? Classy. Yes. Like, he really handled it well. If you don't. It doesn't. That doesn't bother me, though. That's not what I'm watching it for. That's a person. That's a real reaction from a real mm-hmm. person. That doesn't bother me. Which we're going to get to that a little bit later with this. Uh, you know, the the political coverage. This election is yes. real people versus robots. That is <laughs> the theme of this whole thing, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Do you want to take a look at the commercial that bothered me, or whatever aggravated me, or I just found? Uh, I guess maybe just in poor taste. You want yes. to watch this thing and then Let's we'll talk about it. it. All right. So this is a it's a 30 second spot from the Super Bowl okay. where I was like, why what? Here we go. We the people. It's we- a bunch of I mean, for people that are listening, obviously, there's a bunch of images of like things from American history okay. playing in reverse. All right. Okay. We've broken barriers, taken leaps. Olympics, spaceship. Oh, wait, what? The world, the World Trade Center collapsing backwards. Okay, let's. What? What is this commercial for? So, where did our strength come from? King, Vietnam, Reagan. You know, a lot of great things from history. We the people. It started here. Colonial Williamsburg. Really? This is a commercial to try to get you to go to Virginia, and they thought it was okay to just throw an image of the the, the trade center getting hit by a plane. Towers from New York City. What does that have to do with bu- the point of the commercial? Is like so many things have gone into building this country, but if you work all the way back, you're going to get to Colonial Williamsburg, where they wrote, you know, the Declaration and all this stuff, or whatever. You know, it's like <laughs> where where it all started is what they're trying to say. The Trade Center coming down wasn't part of building the country. Maybe they're trying to say, like, uh, events that inspire change, I guess. I guess, but it just seems... I mean, to use the imagery is just very... uh, Jarring? Well, yeah, it's jarring. It's manipulative. It's not like I saw it and I was like, you ruined the game for me, but it's just very weird. And I said it at the... I was at a party and I was like, really? To to go to Virginia? This is what we're going to do. And, you know, people laughed. But it's like, what a weird... I don't know. I just, you got any thoughts about that? Uh, poor taste. And it's just, it's just, it's one thing when politicians even use it 
they invoke 9-11 and they may, you know, we all have to get somber now and everything's got to be very, okay, you said it, we're very solemn. But I mean, it's a commercial to to take a trip to Virginia. It seems bizarre that they would use yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to Williamsburg anyway. No, and not because of that commercial. Definitely not. Yeah, it's didn't inspire me to buy a ticket. No, definitely not. no. And I'm never I'm never going to Virginia now. Sorry. Uh, all right, whatever. I just want to put it out there. Sam, you let me know if you thought anything the same. I, but when I saw it, I was just very. Um, it just stood out comparatively to the other shit that was being played on the TV that day. All right, we got a couple of shout outs. We got an email. Okay. Uh, and then email will lead us right into our New Hampshire recap, which I'm excited to get into. First shout out, TS the drummer on Snapchat. Shout out to you, sir. Hello. I forget. I, I try to make notes during the week when I get snaps from people or whatever mm-hmm. for a shout out. Very busy week this week, but so I'm sorry. I don't remember exactly what the snap was about, but I'm just giving you a shout out. I appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody sending me the snaps. It's, it's fun to hear from you guys. Uh, a Mantagano on Snapchat. Hey, what's going on? She was tw- uh, sending me some snaps yesterday about, um, you know, TFM and this podcast. And okay. Like that. So thank you. I appreciate it. And then Nancy on Twitter. Now, this is an interesting one. Nancy sent me some tweets and I want to read them because I like them. It, it makes me happy. She goes, while I disagree with about 95% of what you say in your podcast. That's a high number. It's a lot. It's almost everything we say. <laughs> I listen because I think it's important to listen to both sides. True. And I appreciate that. And then she goes on to say, not enough characters available earlier to tell you. I think you do a great job. Hashtag. This is what really got me excited. Uh-huh. Conservative Republican fan. Ooh, yeah. That's right. Ah. Uh... Mark Norman, Tuesdays and Stories. <laughs> Yeah, cool. I like that. I like that. And I appreciate it, Nancy, that you can listen to a show that you don't necessarily agree with, but you enjoy it nonetheless. And you're getting uh, informed. Yeah, you're getting a perspective. Well, whatever. You're getting a perspective that you probably wouldn't be getting elsewhere. And and cool. I'm glad that you're still a fan of the show. Very cool. It's a high compliment. Yes. Um, All right. We got an email from Michael. Michael always Snapchats also. I, uh, you know, we shout him out on the show all the time, but he sent an interesting email that I think is a nice way to transition into the New Hampshire stuff. It says, by the way, Polar Seltzer Cherry Pomegranate. That was a limited edition flavor. It's really, really good. I'm enjoying it. This is the last one I have, so I, hope I can go get some more. Uh, hey, Chris and Joey. I'm going to be honest. I am a young, and he puts in parentheses, 23-year-old mm-hmm. uh, voter, and I'm slowly learning more and more about the American political process because, let's be honest, the education of how it works either isn't that strong or not that interesting to grab everyone's attention. Nevertheless, your podcast, as well as the campaign of Bernie... Horatio Sanders, uh, that's not his middle name, has me wondering about superdelegates. The old rule of thumb is if you do not know how something works, then someone else also doesn't know. You don't have to answer this on the podcast. Well, guess what, dude? We are. Don't you tell me my business. I will answer on the podcast if I want. But I was curious how exactly superdelegates work and what your opinion is on how this will affect the Democratic nomination. Always a pleasure to listen to your podcast Mike, and he's uh, at Michael K. Hudson on Snapchat, and I'm assuming on Twitter as well. Michael, thank you, sir. I appreciate the email, and I think it's a good question. Joey, do you know anything about superdelegates? Yes, I do. Really? Okay. Yes. Well, I mean, I have a whole explanation here, but if you want to t- I, take I first w- crack at it, go for it. I would love to hear. No, you know what? I'm going to take a crack at <laughs> it. Yeah, take a crack Let's at take it. Take a crack at it. All right. So what ends up happening is you have 712 like uh, votes that are given out and people who have these special delegations count every member that is a Democrat in the Congress, the House, and the Senate, and every governor is a superdelegate as well. Okay. 
There's 20 of them. Very the good. And it makes up 40% of the total delegates needed to get the nomination. Yes. So you're saying, what is the number? 700 and... 712. Okay, so 712, and that's 40% of what you need, so whatever. I don't know what... I can't do math that quickly in my head, but you need... It's not. It's less than half the amount of delegates that you need to become the nominee. I wrote... Great, Joey. But I wrote, superdelegates are party members and state and federally elected officials who are allowed to pick their own candidate. This is what this is mm-hmm. what kind of pertains to the question, uh, regardless of how their home state voted. Right now, Hillary holds an edge, but superdelegates are allowed to switch their endorsements. So theoretically, if they pledge their allegiance to Hillary Clinton six months ago, if Bernie Sanders ends up looking like he's going to clinch the nomination they they're going to switch those their allegiance essentially to bernie because otherwise then you're in a situation where the people elected one guy and then the party chose the other person which is never going to be a, a mess however this system the superdelegate system in general was adopted on the democratic side to ensure establishment stability and influence in the nomination process which is interesting because hillary is the establishment person yeah. and that's why she holds the superdelegate uh lead it's a safeguard essentially against say a socialist getting the nomination or something like that it started with mcgovern in the 70s like the, oh, okay. because he, it was like grassroots and super liberal and all the stuff and they the party didn't feel like they were the democratic party like the the party itself i mean you know the the, mm-hmm. com- the committee didn't feel like they had enough control over how the election was going so they instituted this policy to at least give the establishment a chance to have a say in who they were going to elect I don't think it's going to come into play this year. I think um, it would be here's because here's the thing. Yes. If Bernie gets the nomination and the super delegates, like, I mean, if, if the states elect Bernie mm-hmm. and the majority of those delegates go to Bernie, but then the super delegates decide, no, we're not going to let that happen and put it all on Hillary. You're looking at an absolute nightmare disaster situation in the democratic party so there's no way they could do that so delegates will switch is my prediction and i i really can't imagine it's going to be a big deal and if hillary ends up getting the, the most votes and everything then she already has the nomination so it doesn't come into yeah. play that way either so i don't think it's going to be a big deal that way but it's always something to keep your eye on and it is interesting that that is the idea to begin with to keep the establishment in you know in play to have the, yes. have the influence over the thing so it's a good question. I'm sure other people did have, uh, you know, thoughts about that, and I think it's something to look at going forward. But I don't think it's even going to be close. I, I, I don't think it's going to come down to super delegates. Well, he's just going to run away with it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. It's uh, okay. So, all right, we answered the question, Michael. Thank you for the email, Joey. Yes. It's you, here we go. I mean, Bernie Sanders, huge win in New Hampshire. I have all huge. of the. I have all the the numbers. Why don't we do the dem- the GOP side first? Okay. Then we'll get into Bernie because I have some ins- – like I have the official vote total, but then I have some inside the number stuff that I think is really interesting, different demographics of how Bernie won, all that. And we're going to play some uh, some p- clips from the speeches, from the con- you know the concession speeches, the acceptance speeches, so mm-hmm. we'll have a little fun there. On the, de- the Republican side of New Hampshire – Donald Trump, 35.3%. Oh, by the way, me and you picked Bernie and Rubio to yes, win. I mean, I we'll explain that. Rubio later. I have a clip about why Rubio did poorly in New Hampshire. It cost me money. You bet on it with I who? did. Don't worry about it. Are you serious? No. D- bullshit. Who did you bet with? I didn't bet out on anything. Oh, my God. Joey, don't lie to the Samsonites. Everybody I'm wants not to lying. There, there was no bet involved. I'm just saying I would have lost a lot of money. Okay. Well, I really... <laughs> goofball. Uh, yeah, we'll get to Rubio later. Donald Trump, 35.3%, 10 delegates. 
John Kasich uh, out of nowhere. The surprise of the night and congratulations. Also, the more he speaks, the more I like him. Well, we said it earlier. I mean, yeah, we said Positivity, it earlier. Positivity, I like it. He's a positive guy, but I think if we got to look probably deeper into his policy positions, he's probably like a little bit less moderate than... You know, then he's letting on, but he's running a pretty moderate, at least positive, it's seemingly campaign. We talked about it earlier when we watched all the earlier debates. Yes. We gave him uh, a lot of credit, and we said that he was, you know, pretty reasonable. It didn't seem like a guy that would, you know, blow up the world. Um, obviously, as we went along here, it didn't really seem like he had a chance, and he probably still doesn't. But, you know, we kind of cut him out of the debate coverage a little bit. But we, we were on him early. We said he, that he yeah, was No, fine. you know what? He, he spent his time in New Hampshire, and he had his, you know... Yeah, he did the campaigning, do what they had to do to get it done. Yeah, he did 106 town halls or something. Yeah. Something insane. He's just like lived in New Hampshire. Anyway, he came in second, 15.8, four delegates. Uh, Ted Cruz, who won the Iowa caucus, is 11.7% of the vote, three delegates. Jeb Bush. Oh. Fourth place, 11%, three delegates. Maybe a little bit of the surge for Bush. Maybe he'll get a little money back into the... Uh, the coffers for him. We'll see if he can make some kind of run elsewhere. I don't know. We'll have to see. Rubio finished in fifth place, 10.6% of the vote, three delegates. I think he would have had a much higher showing had he not completely bungled the debate. Uh, and your your boy, the overweight governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, really fucking crushed Marco Rubio bad in the debate. We're gonna he play ate him. him. Yeah, we're, he did eat him. We're going to play that clip uh, at the end of the show. Like I said, we'll have some mm -hmm. debate coverage there. So do stick around if you want to know what happened to uh, Marco Rubio and Chris Christie. Speaking of Chris Christie, he finished in sixth place, 7.4% of the vote, zero delegates. He has since suspended his presidential campaign. Do you have any audio for that? Of him saying that? No, of him saying goodbye. Or no, I, I didn't. I was saying goodbye to Christie. Nope. Because I was going to put all my ponies on him. Well, you probably shouldn't do that yeah uh carly fiorina finished right behind chris christie 4.1 percent zero delegates she too has ended her campaign oh fuck my mouth nope that nope. was the wrong clip oh my god that is so inappropriate <laughs> my father was a bartender Damn it, well, no why can't i ever get the carly fiorina one hold on <laughs> oh there it is innovation not regulation the innovation the innovation enjoy it everybody carly fiorina will stay with us because of those clips she is out of the race though <laughs> she will live on on memory in the soundboard absolutely and ben carson finished in eighth place 2.3 percent zero delegates he has not dropped out and i guess new hampshire is kind of a tough i don't know i mean I, is this racist what i'm gonna say but it's like a tough state for him it's an extremely white state so you know there's there's no black support there at all. Plus, he's a Republican in a pretty, you know, if Bernie wins New Hampshire, it's a pretty liberal kind of yeah. state. It's a, or at least more independent. Plus, he's a dummy that shouldn't be president. So, you know, there's a lot of factors going against Carson. But I guess he's going to stick around and try to compete in South Carolina. Yeah, the, I, I think South Carolina would be a lot different for him. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I guess he's just going to stick around. All right. On the Democratic side, we talked about it a number of times. Bernie Sanders was leading in New Hampshire, had a huge chance of leading in New Hampshire and winning. He stayed extremely close in Iowa. I mean, arguably could have won if they really did the in-depth vote count, but let's call it a tie or he lost by a fraction of a point. Mm -hmm. uh, Bernie Sanders beat Hillary Clinton in New Hampshire, 60.4% of the vote to 38%. He took 15 delegates on the vote. She took nine, but because of super delegates, it was, ended up being pretty close. I forget what the final result was there. 
Before we get in depth with the numbers, Bernie Sanders, I said it. I think we talked about it a number of times on the podcast. He needed to beat her by double digits, certainly. Yes. I thought at least 12. I think I put that number out there. He had to win by at least 12% to make it unspinnable on the Hillary Clinton side. He beat her by 22 points, which is an absolute ass kicking shellacking. And it's exactly what he needed to do. And I'm really happy about it. And I think Hillary Clinton has a problem on her hands. What do you think, Joey Noe? I think uh, there's going to be a lot of, uh, there's going to be a campaign shakeup. On her side. On her side. Campaign manager, different yep. things like this. Yeah. Which is exactly what happened last time in, when she, uh, she, she had to do this around the same time. Not her, uh, Bill, excuse me, in New Hampshire had to, you know, have a little shakeup. And she's, she's notorious for this. She gets into situations where the longer she's in a campaign, the less people like her. So she has to keep changing the message a little bit to try to get more support. But it never seems to work for her. Obviously, she's way up in uh, South Carolina. Nevada's a caucus state, which is interesting mm-hmm. uh, because if Bernie can have a lot of money, which he does, and get a good ground game, he might be able to influence some of the influence votes. some of the vote there. We'll see what happens. I mean, again, momentum's a huge thing; it's a real thing, and the way that this is going to shake out is not that Hillary, you know, she lost, but she closed the distance. No, Hillary got beaten brutally in new hampshire and it's and it wasn't even close in in any of the areas where you thought that she would do well these are the in-depth numbers bernie took 83 percent of 18 to 29 year olds 66 percent of 30 to 44 year olds and 53 percent of 45 to 65 year olds so bernie just took everyone the every demographic age-wise Took 52% of Democrats, 72% of independents, 66% of men, 55% of women, which is a huge problem go. for her. Because if she can't make the argument that, you know, like Trump said, play the play the woman card or whatever he, he said, but if she can't get female support, wow, it's gonna be She's a real, going it's gonna be a huge problem because Bernie's getting all young women, he's getting all young people generally. And then if he's taking more than half, 55, 60% of women. Man, I don't know. I don't see how she's going to do well. Now, again, New Hampshire's perfectly talented for him. It's very, yes. uh, he's right, right next door in Vermont, white, you know, that's his base. And the youth vote really came out in droves. This is interesting stuff, too. 65% of people making less than $50,000 a year went to Bernie. Mm-hmm. 53% of people making more than $100,000 went to Bernie. So he has people huh. on either end of the spectrum, which is. Very important. He didn't get people making, you know, millions of dollars, but that's that was, that's on who he's running his campaign for, and he shouldn't. I I gotta say, it's exciting. It's a very exciting thing. I got this Bernie Sanders shirt on. I ordered it a yeah, couple weeks that. ago. It came right in time. I'm very excited. Um, it's an exciting thing. It's nice to see that it's possible. I think that he has this type of support, and he gave a big tw- about a half hour speech uh, when he won. Got free prime time. He knew everybody was watching. Really yeah. laid out his policy. Went a little bit farther on some of the stuff that he, you know, normally talks about. Um, said when I get the White House. Now I think he's really starting to get into the mindset of, well, I could actually win. I could win. Yes. You know, and I think he wants to win, and it, it's very exciting to see. I feel that if I was him, I would have came out first. Yeah, he let Hillary come out first. Well. Right? Is that what happened? Yes. Yeah, and then Trump followed him. The Well, yeah, I mean, he let Hillary come out. She concedes. I think that's fine. She got out there at about 820, and then he was out there from 
you know, whatever, 840 or something like nah, that. Or whatever Trump. it was. Yeah. Until Trump came out. Um, I think it was fine. And I think it was a good move because people would, you know, word travels a little bit. Oh my God, Hillary lost, whatever. People turn on the TV and they're going to catch some of Bernie getting to talk for free on television, which is very cool. How does it play out? I don't know. We're going to see, but I, ho- I really hope momentum is a real thing. And again, historically, Hillary Clinton's numbers never go up. They only go down. No. The more people get to know her, the longer this campaign goes. We've said it a number of times. It's going to benefit the senator from Vermont. All right. Do you want to watch some of these clips, Joey? Clip me now. Jesus Christ. All right. So we're going to just listen to the end of the Bernie speech. We're going to listen to a little bit longer the Trump speech. And then I have uh, Rubio apologizing for his poor showing in New Hampshire, which again, we're going to get into what Mm -hmm. happened there at the end. All right. This is Bernie Sanders at the podium in New Hampshire after a rousing victory in the New Hampshire primary. Let me get to it. 25 minutes and whatever seconds. All right, whatever. We're close enough. Here we go. Control department in Brooklyn, New York. Talking about his background a little bit. My mother, who died at a young age, always dreamed of moving out of that apartment, getting a home of her own, but she never realized that dream. The truth is that neither one of my parents could ever have dreamed that I would be here tonight standing before you as a candidate for president of the United States. Big crowd. People love the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, let me say this before we even go on any further. The a lot of you know the coverage after this was saying, you know, it's amazing. He's running a great campaign. He's very on message. You know why he's on message? Because he's not saying anything he doesn't actually mean. Yes. <laughs> and it's extremely easy to stay on message when your only message is what you actually want to say. That's the big problem in there. It's becoming clearer and clearer as time goes on that Hillary doesn't necessarily have a clear message. It's just, you know, it's like, well, I should be, you know, whatever. Experience. Experience. Wait a minute. But what do you actually stand for? A lot of what she stands for is defending attacks. You you understand what I'm saying? Where people go, well, she's not tough on Wall Street. Look at my record. Well, no, but your record is not good. You took $670,000 from Goldman Sachs and you're claiming that won't influence you. You won't release the transcripts. None of that stuff. Bernie Sanders is exactly what you see is what you get with this guy. And that's She's going to have to release those transcripts, I think. It's going to come out. Well, I have it a little bit later in the, in the debate oh, coverage. Okay. We'll get to it. But absolutely. I mean, that, that is a that's going to come out. This is the promise of America. And this is the promise of we must keep alive for future generations. What began last week in Iowa, what voters here in New Hampshire confirmed tonight is nothing short of the beginning of a political revolution. It really is. I mean, you know, the thing is, it sounds like rhetoric, and it is, obviously, that's something that he says all the time, but it is actually a political revolution if you can get a guy who wants to break up the big banks who wants to get money out of politics who you know wants to give health care to people who wants free education that is a revolution that is truly what it is yes and it's what the country actually needs if hillary clinton was the person saying this stuff i'd support her but she's not if there was anybody else saying this stuff i would support them too 
This is the only guy saying it, and this is the only guy that fucking means it. I don't believe you can have moderate say what he's saying, though. No, well, I mean, she wants to play the game of like I'm a I'm a progressive that likes to get things done. That which is a moderate, right? You can't. There is no. This is not a time for moderation. It can't be. We cannot be on either side of the fence about this. I think you have to be. You have to be this guy. You have to be as far to the left as he is. And you have to be saying the things he's saying because otherwise we don't have a democracy, which we've talked about a number of times. The things that he wants to put together, getting the money out of politics, which is his main thing, would restore a democracy in the United States of America. It is, it is a political revolution that will bring tens of millions of our people together. It will bring together working people who have given up on the political process. It will bring together young people who have never participated in the political process. It will bring together blacks and whites, Latinos, Asian Americans, Native Americans, straight and gay, male and female, people who were born in America and people who immigrated here. We will all come together to say loudly and clearly that the government of our great nation belongs to all of us, not just a few wealthy campaign contributors. That is what this campaign is about. That is what the political revolution is about. So New Hampshire, thank you again. And now it's on. <laughs> there's just something genuinely likable about this guy. I don't know. I mean, there's something that really... It's real. You know what yes. I mean? This guy is 100% real, and that's what feels good about it. And I agree with everything he says. For real. Thank you, New Hampshire. And now it's on to Nevada, South Carolina, and beyond. That's a, that's a crowd roar, Joe. That's a real thing. To South Carolina and beyond. Absolutely. That's very, very cool. Uh, also, adorably, he was playing basketball with his grandkids before he came out. Do and, you have uh, a clip of that? No, I don't, uh -huh. but there's a, there's a very good video of him shooting like a classic like bank shot. Nice. It's adorable. Uh, all right. So that's Bernie Sanders. How far in are we? All right. All right. Well, let's, let's finish up with these clips, then we'll take our little, uh, we'll do the mid-roll break. All right. This is Donald Trump. At his accepted speech, this is a little bit longer. It's like four minutes. Let's just hear what he has to say. He says a couple of questionable things that we all pause and I'll, I'll maybe reinforce them with fact or whatever. But let's just hear what old D Trump has to say about all this stuff. Who, like it or not, believe it or not, won a primary in, in the process to yes, become the president did. of the United States. Healthcare, we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. It is a total disaster. There is, that is a, they all say it. Mm -hmm. It is a bald-faced lie. They are not going to repeal Obamacare. They're not. It's not going to happen. It's Sounds the law good. of the land. The Supreme Court said it's, it is what it is. It's not going anywhere. 
they're not going to repeal it. It's just a lie. So even if you support that, it's not going to, I promise. Here's, this is another thing. Cause this is an, I always do this with my dad. I have these arguments with mm-hmm. my dad. My dad's conservative. He's like a Rush Limbaugh guy growing up. That's a guy who I listened to who actually in some ways is an influence on even doing this. Not like how he believes, but, or what he believes, but the, idea, you know, a guy who's great at broadcasting, right? Yes. It's like a bit of an influence on me. And I, I grew up listening to people like that. I have this argument with them all the time. I don't really have, I'm not a, a dem. I don't associate with Democrat. There's people that I like. I like Bernie Sanders. I'd support Bernie Sanders. I won't vote for Hillary Clinton. I'd vote for the green party or something. I'll, I'll vote a third party or, if, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to vote for the major parties unless it's Bernie. Trust me as somebody who does not, I don't have skin in the game. They are not going to repeal Obamacare. You're being lied to. Understand that. Because I always tell my dad that when he's like, well, we'll get the Republicans into Congress and they'll cut taxes. They're not going to cut taxes. You're, you're being silly. They're telling you something that is just not true. Okay? You're being lied to. And the same is true with a lot of Democrats. Bernie's not lying. And you know what? I don't think Trump's lying either. I think when he says stuff, it might be crazy. But he, he might, means it. He might. It might not be possible, but I think he believes that it is. And I think he's going to try to do the things that he's saying. So be very careful what you wish for. We're repealing and replacing Obamacare. It's gone. We're getting rid of Common Core. We're going to educate our children locally. We educate our children locally. All right. We are going to preserve our very sacred Second Amendment. <laughs> I love that he said very sacred. <laughs> it is. The guns, the holy guns, we will keep them safe from harm. How many There's guns do you think he has? Be- Trump? Yeah. Thousands, a lot, yeah. A lot of guns? He, yeah, he's probably got a, quite a few guns, I bet. Any more chipping away at our Second Amendment. All right. Nobody is chipping away at the Second Amendment. Who is chipped away at the Second Amendment? I think that's a shot at Obama. It, of course it is, but the, the Second Amendment is still alive and well there's nobody the guns are still there voter uh, you know the voting thing not voting thing they uh the registration like the, the waiting the background period, checks. Yeah, yeah 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 good that doesn't mean you can't get a gun there's a guess what there's pretty much a waiting period for a car or a house or whatever the bank's gotta make sure you have the right credit although not really in america that's where the housing bubble happened by the way i watched uh the big short yeah. i want to go off on a big tangent here really good really enjoyed it and um Makes me mad, like Obama said with the kids. Like yeah. every time I see that stuff, it gets me mad. That movie gets me mad. And you should also watch the movie Inside Job, which is like a documentary version about essentially the same uh, Wall Street corruption. Very okay. good. Anyway, uh, the Donald, please continue. If we had protection in California recently and so many other places, you could even look to Paris. Paris has the toughest gun laws in the world, France has the toughest gun laws in the world. These animals go in, they start shooting one, two, three, 130 people with many people horribly wounded, horribly wounded right now in the hospital. If there were bullets going in the other direction, believe me, it would have been a whole different story, folks. But nobody had protection. Thoughts, Joey, on that real quick? I mean, like, we don't have to get stuck on this again, but, like, do you think that the Paris terrorist attacks would have happened if everybody in the fucking restaurant had a gun and started shooting at the windows? I mean, what are you talking about? (laughs) The chaos. There'd be a lot of chaos and a lot of dead bodies. Of course, yeah, just more people would have been killed, but not less. Uh, The terrorists, maybe. But they're going to... I mean, it's just such a, whatever. That's just like a, not a, I don't accept that argument. It's the same idea of an, an Aurora. Uh, if only all those moviegoers, you know, had guns, this wouldn't have had, like, are you, come on. 
Shelby was pointing out, by the way, we're watching the video. Mm-hmm. This is from C-SPAN. It's just like his acceptance speech. Trump is so red. He's so tanned or whatever. And But except around his eyes, which are like much lighter. And again, I think it's because he goes in tanning beds and he wears like the goggles. Yeah, it's all the and time. Then the, and his face is just bizarrely red. It just doesn't make sense. I am going to be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. I'm going to tell you what, when he said that phrase, I thought, uh uh-oh, we're in trouble because that will catch on. That's one of those moments where you hear somebody say, yeah, I'll be the greatest jobs president God has ever created is a dangerous soundbite because that'll catch on and that's a fucking message. Like Hillary Clinton doesn't have that. He just said what he needs to say. Like that's make America great again. Greatest Jobs. jobs president God has ever created. Wow, that's solid. Bernie has it when he, you know, a handful of millionaires and billionaires. You know, he has his yeah. catchphrases. $27. Trump just said his, and that, that's, that should be scary to the rest of the Republican field because that's a good one. We're that's gonna have a to get that on the soundboard. Okay, that, I, I know. I got to do the Hillary one too. All right, let's finish up with Trump here. You're right, Joey. Remember that. Don't believe those phony numbers when you hear 4.9 and 5% unemployment. Okay. The number's probably 28, 29, Whoa. as high as 35. In fact, I even heard recently 42%. Do you? <laughs> okay. Okay. So Donald Trump there claims that unemployment could be between 28 and 42%. If 42% of 318 million Americans were unemployed, that'd be 133 and a half million people unemployed does that sound right to you is that an inflated number you think he's saying uh, there a little bit inflated I, it's absurd 40 yeah there's 42 almost half the country is unemployed come on how do you make all those jobs you do, it's a crazy thing to say first of all it, that would include children and people who are retired you know yes, what I, mean? like, I know but 42 percent is still insanely high insanely high but whatever i don't care let, let them you do your thing donald think we'd have gatherings like this if we were, we had if we had five percent unemployment you really think we'd have these gatherings forgetting about security forgetting about isis which by the way we're gonna knock the hell out of isis <laughs> we're gonna knock the hell out of them and it's gonna be done the right way sure which is so well yeah but, the- but i mean nobody wants to do it the wrong way i think i think he's onto something there with the right way thing care of the economy we're going to take care of jobs we're going to take care of all of the things that i said our border everything health care it's going to be so great remember this about <laughs> obamacare okay people are forgetting but now they're miserable because it's going up 45 percent 35 percent 55 percent it's totally out of control probably sinks of its own volition in 2017 that's unless the republicans give it another I mean, what's going on? What's going on? The budget, the last His budget that was approved so is an absolute disaster for everybody in this country. We owe $19 trillion as of today. We just crossed the $19 trillion mark. We're going to very shortly be at $21 trillion because of the budget. We are going to make our country so strong. We are going to start winning again. We don't win anymore as a country. We don't win on trade. We don't win with the military. We can't beat ISIS. We're not using the military. Ah, fuck. I I pressed the wrong button. Well, anyway, you get the idea of what Trump was going on there. Oh, whatever. I can get back to the end probably. But it's like we're not attacking ISIS with the military. 
You, really, you know what I, I mean? He's just saying things. He's of course, just well, of course, he's saying, just saying things. Th- he's trying to rile up the crowd. He's doing a good job. I know. Let me let me get back to the military. We can't beat oh, ISIS. Perfect. Wow. We mm-hmm. win I'm good. With anything. We are going to start winning again, and we're going to win so much. You are going to be so happy. We are going to make America so great again, maybe greater than ever before. I love you all. Thank you, New Hampshire. Thank you. Thank you, New Hampshire. Thank you. <laughs> we are going- <laughs> I got to clip that, too. Yes. Thank you, New Hampshire. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Anyway, that, that's Donald Trump. Uh, thoughts quick, Joey? I mean... He's doing it. He he is doing. It. I mean, the, the man has won a, a presidential primary again. I don't think he's going to win. I don't think. He's, I, I don't even think he's really running. I know he's there. I know it sounds crazy, but I don't. I really don't. Um, he doesn't want to be the president. Joe. It's too much. It's too much work. Uh, I think with Trump, we won't know until Super Tuesday. Yeah. When is that? March. What ninth? I don't have something? the exact date. For all me, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Super Tuesday is like a bunch of primaries all in one day, which is a big day uh, for everyone. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Okay, Marco Rubio. Then we're gonna take a little break in case there would have been an ad or something, mm-hmm. and then we'll get into the quick hits, and we'll close up with the Democratic and Republican debate clips. Quick. I don't have a ton of stuff there. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is Marco Rubio after a very poor showing in New Hampshire. After a you know a surge after in Iowa, he got a big push and then it just it fell flat in new hampshire probably because of the debates all right marco rubio i guess apologizing explaining what what went wrong no no no. marco rubio taking responsibility yes okay our team here in new hampshire did a phenomenal job you worked incredibly hard and i'm grateful to you Now, we don't, we're still watching these numbers. We'll see where it winds up. But I can just tell you, I know many people disappointed. I'm disappointed with tonight. I want you to understand. But I want you to understand something. I want you to understand something. Our disappointment tonight is not on you. It's on me. Uh, it's on me. No, Marco, I, no! Marco! My father was a bartender. I know, and it's so sad. <laughs> did not, I did not do well on Saturday night, so listen to this. That will never happen again. Wow. There you go. Crowd like that. I mean, it's a pro Rubio. It's a pro Rubio crowd, but wow. All right. Well, they're, meanwhile, they're cheering that that he will never like malfunction like an idiot <laughs> again. You know what I mean? Like that's what they're cheering for. So keep it in context. <laughs> um, all right. So that's the New Hampshire primary. Any final thought on that? We'll move on. Well, there won't be any thirty-second restarts, I guess. What do you mean? With uh, with him being, you know, with what happened at the debate. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. I mean, I, you know, we'll see. We'll we again. It all just continues. Maybe for him, I don't know. I mean, I think Rubio had a legitimate chance of doing something bigger in New Hampshire, maybe finishing second, and that would have been a nice springboard. But he really uh, kind of blunted his own momentum. Bush up to fourth place. I don't know. It's a little bit of a surge. Kasich. I doubt he's going to be able to sustain that, but you never know. Trump is in the mix, Cruz, you know, there's, there's a whole, again, still a bit of a mess on the Republican side. Nobody's getting, nobody's really on pace to get the amount of delegates that they need, so it could potentially be a brokered convention. Ooh. So, you know, it, it remains interesting on the de- on the Republican side. And again, the race is really, uh, it's, it's on now because Bernie Sanders has, Bernie Sanders is one win, no losses, and one tie, essentially, so far. And Hillary is no wins, one loss, and one tie, right? 
I'm saying that Ty's more a win for Bernie. Absolutely, but that okay, right? But I'm saying, but record-wise, Bernie hasn't r- technically really lost. So interesting. Let's see where it goes. If Hillary gets a big win, then you know it's all about spin. It's all about momentum. So we'll see where it goes. All right, this might be where we would take a break, and now we're back in case there was some kind of ad there. You know, we'll we'll yeah. see what happens. Couple of quick hits. Joey, the Oregon yes. militia situation has come to an end. The uh, four remaining militia people up in Oregon have um, surrendered themselves to the FBI, and that's it. So there's nobody there anymore. Terrific. No bloodshed. Nope. I mean, uh, maybe something job, happened well, before we started recording, but I didn't. I didn't notice. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, it's pretty much it. They they agreed to turn themselves over, and that's the end of that situation. That's all we got to say about it. Protests in Auckland, New Zealand, jo- uh, Zealand, Joey. Last Thursday, around a thousand protesters uh, turned down Auckland, New Zealand, to protest a signing ceremony attended by the twelve Pacific Rim countries involved in the TPP deal. Thank you for going out and telling people the way it is that this is a bad idea. Yep. And thank you for uh, protesting. Absolutely, and I totally. We don't see coverage of that a lot of the time. I feel like protests happen around the world. It doesn't get a lot of media coverage. And why? Because most of the time it's protesting stuff that would benefit huge corporations and media companies. And they're not going to show you because then if they don't show you, it's not really happening. I think even the big climate thing that happened in the, in New York, the big yeah, that climate was march, way underplayed. Yeah. Not a ton of coverage of that. And you're talking thousands of people being out there. Uh, same thing in New Zealand. They're against the TVP. And I think I have some quotes from Bernie in the debate where he, where he's asked about trade deals. And I think it's uh, crucial what the guy's saying. I mean, once again, the political revolution is, is happening and Bernie Sanders is really embodying that whole thing. Um, I just wanted to put it out there again. We're staying on top of all the TPP stuff and, uh, you know, as more developments happen, we'll bring it up. But I think it's important to know there are people paying attention and protesting. Yes. So don't think that it's just nobody's paying. No, people are paying attention. It's just not being covered necessarily by the huge media. But it's real. There is a real uh, movement against this thing. Okay. Julian Assange update. After a UN panel last week ruled that Assange's 44-month detention at the Ecuadorian embassy is arbitrary, British and Swedish authorities balked at the chance to let him leave or drop the charges, respectively. Uh, British Foreign Secretary said findings are, quote, ridiculous, and Assange is, quote, a fugitive from justice. The Swedish prosecutor, uh, Marianne Nee, I believe it's pronounced, is currently working on a new application to interview Assange in the London embassy in relation to the charges, which would be good. But what the hell was that? Something's playing. Oh, there's music. a phone ringing. Oh, okay. Whatever. We're, we're working on some new systems throughout the uh, throughout the uh, the studio. We have another um, studio being built, so I guess there's somebody's just testing something, so a phone's ringing. Don't worry about it. It just sounds like we're in a doctor's office. Um Anyway, so yeah, Julian Assange not going to be freed from the embassy. The charges are not going to be dropped, but maybe he'll be interviewed at the embassy or something. I don't know. Well, I feel that the interview is a, a crucial step totally. in him being able to move on with his life and not be detained into this embassy. Yeah, of course. Well, because the charges is what he's really worried about in case he's extradited to Sweden to face the charges. No matter what happens there, he knows that they're going to turn him over that to the United States. Mm-hmm. So if those charges don't exist, then he doesn't really have to worry about that, and then he can go on his merry way to Ecuador. But yeah, the poor guy still remains. Uh, and and look, you know what? I'd be very willing to turn on him if it turned out he raped somebody. 
Oh, absolutely. Fuck him. Goodbye. Throw away the key. I don't care. As good as I like what he's doing politically and all this stuff. Yeah, then fine. But I, it just to me seems extremely suspicious and everything that I've read about the case. From my personal opinion, it does not seem like what he did is, you know, w- warranted. You know, the, the, all, all of this is not warranted based on what happened. All right. This is a fun, this is a fun one, Joe. I got a fun yes. update here. Ta-Nehisi Coates was interviewed on Democracy Now!, uh, which is a great interview, and I highly recommend it. Amy Goodman, who hosts Democracy Now!, did a great job with okay. the interview. Um, it was like a very wide-ranging interview, 40 minutes, an hour maybe. I, I forget how long it was, but this is a really great quote from it. Now, again, Ta-Nehisi Coates, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, all the stuff with Bernie Sanders and reparations and everything. He's asked a really interesting question at the end of the interview, and uh, I just wanted to put it out there, uh, his answer, because I think it kind of wraps up that conversation that we had. And uh, let me just get to it. Let me see. Hold on one second. Jesus, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to cut this out, but just know that I could. Okay. Here we go. You'll be voting for Senator Sanders. <laughs> Okay, so the whole interview, they're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the case reparations and all that stuff, that whole thing that we talked about. That's what the interview was about, so it's a nice supplemental if you wanted to get into it. He's asked, I'll bounce back, are you going to vote for Senator Sanders? Best uh, option that we have in the race. But just because that's who you're going to vote for doesn't mean you then have to agree with everything they say. Will you be voting for Senator Sanders? <laughs> I will be voting for Senator Sanders. I have tried to avoid this question, but I, yes, I will be voting for Senator Sanders. Um, I try to avoid that because I, 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 I want to write as a journalist, you know what I mean, and separate that from my role as, I don't know, a private citizen. Um, but I don't think much is accomplished by ducking the question. Yes, I will vote for Senator Sanders. My son influenced me. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Okay, so as much, you know, we got into the whole argument, which I think, or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. I think it was a great conversation to, t- to have on the show and I think to put out there in general. And I don't think that he's backing down from his opinion on that. I think no. he thinks Bernie Sanders is falling short there. Yet, he knows that if you're going to vote for anybody in this election, gonna vote for that's him. the guy that you're going to vote for because he's probably the type of guy that you could even be able to change. Maybe he'll get to talk to him. He could change his mind. He could you know, pick his brain about it. Like, Cool. So I just thought that was really interesting and I wanted to put that out there because it's a nice... Uh, you know, it's a nice clip. It's also interesting to hear a guy talk after we, we've we l- listened to me say his words yes. and what he's written. It's cool to kind of like have his voice in your head, but you should check out the, uh, you know, the interview Samsonites. If you guys are interested in it, it, it was a good interview, but I wanted to put that out there. All right. What else? Oh, one more quick hit or two more quick hits, Joey. You tell me two more quick hits. Two more. 2015 illegal marijuana sales. According nice. to yeah, according to San Francisco-based marijuana analysis and investment firm ArcView Group and Washington-based New Frontier, national legal sales of cannabis grew to five point four billion dollars in 2015, up from four point six in 2014. The estimated total in 2016, six point seven billion. By 2020, twenty one point eight billion dollars. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we found the new cash crop. I think we found something that's going to make people more empathetic, more introspective, more happy. I believe that 2020 number, probably they're expecting more states to legalize it. 
I don't know if I'm that assuming inc- that's how they're getting that. Maybe number. I don't know if that includes that. That's interesting. Say it doesn't. Say it's twenty one point eight with what we have now. If you legalize <laughs> it, because there's seven more states are going to vote to legalize weed in twenty sixteen. California, Nevada. It's crazy that California isn't legal already. It already wink yeah. wink is. But California, Nevada, Arizona, Massachusetts, Maine, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Man. Do you know, we the people keep asking Bernie, how are we going to pay for healthcare? Well, we'll pay for it with weed sales. How about that? We'll send kids to college by selling drugs. Wouldn't that be, wow. Oh, it'd be so good. It wouldn't be a drug anymore. Well, I mean, no, it's still a drug. Caffeine's a drug. Okay, Alcohol's fine. a drug. They're just legal. So they're just stuff that we use. I think it'd be a great thing. And why not? Doesn't it feel kind of like we're in that? place in america that we're ready for this where we're adults we can handle marijuana which is certainly better for the psyche for the emotional well-being for physical well-being i mean it's so much better for you than any of the other shit that we guzzle down the red bulls and the goddamn trentas and the the yeah the of course the alcohol come on baby let's do it plus i think it's interesting the amount of money which seems like it's going to be the ultimate factor when it comes to the government getting behind it Mm-hmm. when the amount of money you can make from selling marijuana outweighs the amount of money you're going to make from busting people for selling marijuana. I think that's the tipping point. I think we're getting rapidly closer to that, that tipping point. Okay. I want to put that out there. This one, this is a very quick one. Oh, perfect. We're, we're, we're making good progress here. We'll get to this uh, quick thing. MSNBC democratic debate clips, Marco Rubio's fucking implosion. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we'll get out of here. This one really amuses me, Joey. Good news travels well. Benjamin Netanyahu has a new plan, okay? Oh, God, what now? (laughs) The Prime Minister of Israel announced yesterday a multi-year plan to surround Israel with security fences to protect ourselves in the current and projected Middle East. In our neighborhood, we need to protect ourselves from wild beasts, he says. At the end of the day, as I see it, we will surround the entire state of Israel with a fence, a barrier, or perhaps a gold wall. <laughs> Why does everyone want to build a fence today? Because good ideas travel, Joey. Great minds think alike. Is that, <laughs> is that, uh, I saw it and I almost couldn't believe it. Like, sure, of course. Of course they want to pull a wall around. And then he refers to. Is that every- keeping everybody out or keeping everybody in? He refers, well, a little bit of both. And he refers to everybody else as wild beasts, which is, sure, that's not inflammatory uh, rhetoric. No, not at all. You're you're a sweetheart. You're not a fucking animal yourself, Netanyahu, please. He wants to build a goddamn wall. Do you know the billions of dollars it would take? Billions. I mean, maybe even a trillion dollars to put a wall around Israel. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's happening. I mean, if he has it his way, it will happen, and it seems like Netanyahu kind of has a pretty strong grip on uh, Israeli politics. Guy's been around forever. I mean, he's really been a, at it almost since the start, so... Almost since it starts, a little bit of a stretch, but the guy's been in the in the game for decades. I, it's just funny to me because, of course, like that's the big Republican right wing thing in the uh, in America. Like we got to put a wall up. Well, he wants to. I'm going to one up you. We're not even going to put a wall between us and one country. We're just going to we're just going to protect ourselves with a giant goddamn barrier. Okay. I I think it would be interesting if every country starts building a wall. Yeah, it's just going to be, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> fence companies, the economy of uh, the fence bubble is gigantic. Um, all right, so that's what I had there. Are you ready to get into just a couple? I mean, it's three clips. I have a couple of notes. It's nothing crazy because okay. the New Hampshire primary already happened, but I figured some of this stuff was um, 
informative or yes. instructive or whatever. We'll see where it all goes. All right. So this took place the other night, I guess. I think it happened maybe Thursday night after our podcast, so we didn't really get to cover it. Um, why don't you tell Sam Snipes, Joey, how this works? So Chris puts himself in a bubble, right. watches the debate, doesn't get any political commentary from any people, from journalists, from nobody. He takes down his thoughts like he would live tweet it, but chooses to hold back until the brand new episode of the Mandatory Simpson podcast to share with the Simpsonites. That's right. And here we go. That's exactly right. Thank you, Joey. That's a wonderful explanation. All right. The first clip we have here is Bernie and Hillary go back and forth about what being a part of the establishment, excuse me, what being a part of the establishment means. And then Hillary objects to Bernie's comment indignantly. This is instructive about how she might operate on the campaign trail now that she got trounced in New Hampshire. We'll see. Meaning she takes a hard edge, you know, like mm -hmm. she gets nasty a little bit. And I think if she's going to do that in the actual campaign, I think it's going to be a problem for her. It's going to hurt her. You, her whole thing, again, is trying to get people to think that she's likable. And when she does stuff like this, she doesn't come across likable. It doesn't come across authoritative. It just comes across as like nasty a little bit, which I think is a, a fine line. Um, and I, I think she falls on the wrong side of that line during this interaction, but we'll see how it looks going forward. Bernie shows his authenticity here. You know why he's always on message? Because he believes what he's saying. That's him. And that's what I said earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, let's get into the clip. This is the longest clip. It's like three minutes and then just a couple of quick ones. Part of the establishment is, is in the last quarter having a super PAC that raised $15 million from Wall Street, that throughout one's life raised a whole lot of money from the drug companies and other special interests. To my mind, if we do not get a handle on money in politics and the degree to which big money controls the political process in this country, nobody is going to bring about the changes that is needed in this country for the middle class and working families. Yep. Which is exactly right. I mean, you can isolate, and this is a problem that Hillary's having, you can take sentences that Bernie Sanders says, one sentence, mm -hmm. And sums up exactly what he's standing for and what he's trying to get done. Correct. You could take that sentence where he goes, we will not be able to do what we want if we don't get money out of politics. That's the, that is it. That's his whole campaign in a nutshell. And there's other ones where you could take where you go, yeah, yeah you know, and you put it together and you could create this picture. It's very hard to take one Hillary Clinton sentence that sums things up unless it's about her where she goes, look at my record. Like, you know, stuff like that, but it's it's vagaries and it's specifically about her. That's an actual message. It's not a policy. Don't confuse it with a policy, but it's a message and it's a it's a it's a goal, essentially, right? So at least now we know what Hillary Clinton has to do. The question is, do they come up with that message? Well, uh, here's the thing. Right. That you're right. That is the question. Can Hillary Clinton refocus this thing, which I think you were alluding to before, and create some kind of message. This woman has been running for president for 20 years. Why doesn't she have the message? The reason why she doesn't have a message is because it's not, to me, to my mind, she doesn't have a ton of personal beliefs. I think she's capable. I'm not saying she's not a capable person. I think she was a good secretary of state, whatever. There's certain, th you know, Syria, the Benghazi mm -hmm. thing. There's, there's, there's issues. However, I think she was she could do the job. I think she was probably a capable lawyer. She was a capable senator, all this stuff. 
what does she personally believe? Because I wrote a little bit later, but I guess we could skip ahead here. I wrote Hillary is very good at stating what the proper protocol is. It doesn't mean that she's right. It's the right move or that it's the right direction to go in, but she knows protocol because she's been there before. She knows how things work, Mm. but it doesn't seem like she particularly cares why they work that way. She just knows that that's how it goes and, and she knows how to do those things. Bernie Sanders, on the other hand, I think is capable as well, but he wants, he goes, yeah, that's how it works, but that's not how it should work. This is how it should work. Yeah. And the reason why is because of these X, Y, and Z things that you can point to. That's to me is the difference. And that's going to be a problem because why doesn't she have that already? She might be able to think of something. It might turn around, but it's been decades. You know, she's been running yeah. for president forever. She's been in politics her whole life. Why doesn't she have that one sentence? And that's something that continually hurts her. That's what her, the longer because that cost of the last election costs her all the time. She has no personal belief. And that's a, that's a, that's a scary thing. But I, I think it's, it's fair to really ask what's behind that comment. You know, Senator Sanders has said he wants to run a positive campaign. I've tried to keep, Uh, my disagreements over issues as it should be but time and time again by innuendo by insinuation there is this attack that he is putting forth which really comes down to you know anybody who ever took donations or speaking fees from any interest group uh, has to be bought (laughs) and that is an interesting sentence that she says because Yeah, that's probably the truth. How could you be beholden to a group? How could you take money from a group that is outside of politics, that has a lobbying arm, that needs to influence politicians to get more done for their own business? How could that not be that? You know what I mean? She's implying, no, I could take millions of dollars from anyone and it doesn't mean they'll affect me. Then why are you taking it? Mm -hmm. So it's either that's a bribe or you're greedy, right? (laughs) You don't need more money. There was no re- I was watching some of the coverage and Andrea Mitchell, I think, who's a correspondent on MSNBC, was like, when she left the Secretary of State position, she started doing all these, you know, paid speeches. Yeah. And she's defended it now and she said at the time, this is what everybody that stops being, you know, Secretary of State does. They go around, they do these these speeches, they get paid. Yeah, but are they running for president? That's how it is, right? And then Andrew Mitchell's point was, it seems so short-sighted. Like, if you want to be president, why would you do this? You have enough money. You don't need to do this. But it's the protocol. That's my point. She, That's what you do. So I did it. And she did it well. But it's short-sighted. It's not a goal. Your goal is to be president, not to do what you're supposed to do after you get out of office and make that extra few million dollars. You don't need it. You have $130 million. Your goal is to be president, not to just follow the rubric blindly. That's very, very instructive. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. That's extremely problematic, and she has no answer for that. And I just absolutely reject that, Senator. All right, so she rejects that idea. I really don't think these kinds of attacks by insinuation are worthy of you. And enough is enough. If you've got something to say, say it directly. But you will not find that I ever changed a view or a vote because of any donation that I ever received. That can't be true. And I have stood up. She said it. Right. My constituents to the best of my ability. 
out of that. You know, so I think it's time to end the very artful smear that you and your campaign oh, have been carrying oh. out. <laughs> if you're watching the video, Bernie just goes, oh, come on. And then he's like, ah, bah, bah, bah. you know, like, what are you doing? Is it an artful smear? It's not an artful smear to say that, like, you took millions of dollars from Wall Street. That's got to influence you somehow. Right? It's just no, a sign. It is what it is. Yeah. And let's talk. She got booze on that. That is an issue. Divide us. Okay, let's and talk, let's, let let's, us talk we about We both agree issues. with campaign finance reform. Let's talk I, about issues. I worked hard for McCain-Feingold. I want to reverse Citizens let's, United. Let's, let's talk about so, issues. Let's, let's talk, talk about issues. Let's talk about issues. All right, let's talk about why in the 1990s Wall Street got deregulated. Did it have anything to do with the fact that Wall Street provided, spent billions of dollars on lobbying and campaign contributions? Well, some people might think, yeah, that had some influence. Let's ask why it is that we pay by far the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs and your medicine can be doubled tomorrow and there's nothing that the government can do to stop it. You think it has anything to do with the huge amounts of campaign contributions and lobbying for the fossil fuel industry? Let's talk about climate change. Do you think there is a reason why not one Republican has the guts to recognize that climate change is real and that we need to transform our energy system? Do you think it has anything to do with the Koch brothers and ExxonMobil pouring huge amounts of money into the political system? That is what goes on in America. I am not. I like. What a mouthful. I mean. There's no way to refute. That's the thing. Her contention is no, no, no. Money doesn't influence people. Yes, it does. You maybe it doesn't influence you. It seems like it does, but maybe it doesn't. But his argument is bullet. Like that is why they pay that amount of money to lobby. That's why they do it. Yeah. Period. There's no arguing that. It's good, and that, that message works. You know, there is a reason why these people are putting huge amounts of money into our political system. And in my view, it is undermining American democracy and it is allowing Congress to represent wealthy campaign contributors and not the working families of this country. Well, you know, Senator, I don't think... I don't think... I don't think you could find any person in political life today who has been subjected to more attacks and had more money spent against her by special interests among whom you have named a few than I and I'm proud of that you know when I took on the drug companies and the insurance companies for universal health care coverage they went after me with a vengeance today you've got hedge fund billionaires aligned with Karl Rove running ads against me to try to get Democrats to vote for you I know this game I'm gonna stop this perfect and I love it I thank you, Karl Rove. If that's really the truth, if big hedge fund guys are trying to spend money to get Bernie elected, great, thanks. Mm -hmm. We'll take it. This game. But while we're talking about votes, you're the one who voted to deregulate swaps and derivatives in 2000, the which contributed to the over-leveraging of Lehman Brothers, which was one of the culprits that brought down the economy. So I don't know. I don't, I'm not impugning your motive because you voted to deregulate swaps and derivatives. People make mistakes. And I'm no. certainly not saying you right. did it for any right. kind of financial advantage. What, what we've got you to do as Democrats, what we've got to do as Democrats is to be... It is an ugly look on her, I think. Yeah. 
I think people that support her are probably like good for you, like defending yourself. But I think there's a lot more people who haven't made up their mind or independence or whatever that look at that and they're like, mm, it just it just rings false, you know, this attack on him. It just doesn't. It's like, do you really think Bernie Sanders wanted swaps and derivatives to happen? That he he was for financial uh, speculate, you know, all this like gambling. No, he wasn't. He just wasn't. No. United to actually solve these problems and what I believe is that I have a better track record and a One better opportunity to actually get that job done. That's what this election should be about. 30 seconds and then we're going to move on. I think as Secretary Clinton knows, there is nobody who fought hard. I, I was on the House Financial Committee at that time. I heard the arguments coming from Democrats and Republicans, Robert Rubin, Alan Greenspan, about how great an idea it would be if we did away with Glass-Steagall and if we allowed investor banks. Glass-Steagall very quickly was the thing that kept investment banks from community banks, essentially. The money was separate. The commercial banks and big insurance companies to merge. Go to YouTube today. Look up Greenspan Sanders. Listen to what I told them then. I helped lead the effort against deregulation. Unfortunately, we lost that. The result is, was the worst financial disaster since the Great Depression. Thank you both. Okay. So that's the longest clip we have. Again, this is the establishment versus progressive thing. And I think, uh, again, the Hillary... It's instructive about maybe where Hillary's going to go now that the campaign is sort of seemingly slipping away from her. Mm-hmm. All right. I have a quick clip here. I just wrote Bernie on Goldman Sachs. I don't exactly remember what this is. I'm sure, you know, as soon as it starts, I'll know. I think I the only reason I put this out there is because I, I feel like this guy's going to, somebody's going to put a hit out on this guy, some of the stuff that he says. And this might be one of the things that he said. That's why I put the clip out there. I don't really mean that, but kind of, yeah. you know, like, Nobody says stuff like this. If this is the clip that I'm thinking of. The executives on Wall Street has been charged with anything after paying, in this case of Goldman Sachs, a $5 billion fine. Kid gets caught with marijuana. That kid has a police record. A Wall Street executive destroys the economy. $5 billion settlement with the government. No criminal record. That is what power is about. That is what corruption is about. And that is what has to change in the United States of America. Okay, that wasn't exactly the clip that I was thinking of, but it's a great point, right? There's, there's nothing, you know, we don't have to expand on that. It's exactly the way you put it is exactly correct. Like you, you caught, you have to pay a $5 billion fine. You did something illegal. Somebody's got to go to jail there. Something's got to yeah. happen. Um, all right. Hillary is asked about our Goldman Sachs speeches transcripts. There is information about her public speaking contract obtained through state public records law that says the sponsor of her talks would pay $1,250 for a stenographer for all of her speeches. So there is definitely a transcript out there of Hmm. these speeches. Uh, Where's the WikiLeaks on this, Joey? That's what I want to know. And Julian Assange does not like (laughs) Hillary Clinton, so maybe that WikiLeaks will be coming uh, hopefully sooner than later. All right, so this is the last segment there, and then I just have one quick clip about NAFTA and different trade deals, Mm -hmm. which I think is important. So this is uh, Hillary about her Goldman speeches transcripts. Goes through New England Cable News, Secretary Clinton. It's addressed to you, and it's about this issue of the speeches, uh, particularly to, to Goldman Sachs. This is what the questioner wrote. 
yeah, verbatim. I am concerned with the abuses of Wall Street as taken with the American taxpayers' money. And then she asked whether you would release the transcripts of your Goldman Sachs speeches and then added, don't you think the voting public has a right to know what was said? But let's make that bigger. Are you willing to release the transcripts of all your paid speeches? We do know through reporting that there were transcription services for all of those paid speeches in the in full disclosure would you release all of them i will look into it i don't know uh, uh hillary yeah. what are you going to look into no the status but i will certainly look into it but i can only repeat what is the fact that i spoke to a lot of different groups with a lot of different constituents a lot of different kinds of members about issues that had to do with world affairs i probably described more times than I can remember how stressful it was advising the president about going after bin Laden. And she goes, that's like a whole yeah. bunch of stuff that she talked about, but you know, well, whatever we don't know. We'll see. Hopefully these transcripts come out. And I think the pressure is going to start mounting on her because who, who's not going to keep asking for those. Tra- like, I want to see them now. I'm really interested in what she got to say for $600,000. Absolutely. Well, because for me, if she did in some of the speeches be like, look, you guys are go, you guys are going crazy. Like this has to stop. Fine. Then maybe that, that actually changes my opinion. I don't think that's going to be, well, we, yeah, well, we don't know because then otherwise I'm only left to assume that she's like saying, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you guys. That's all I can assume. If I don't know what she actually said. Hmm. The imagination is going to be worse than what the reality is. Maybe, right? Hillary, yeah. I don't know. Let's get, a, let's get a WikiLeaks on that. All right. There's a whole section about war and foreign policy and stuff. I just wrote a couple of notes, and then we'll play that last clip. This is the war section. There's a huge difference between the two candidates. Hillary Clinton is a hawk, and she probably gets a lot more moderate support because she's a hawk. Like I always say, this is a center-right country, and most Democrats are certainly centrist when it comes to war, I think. There's more of an appetite than there should be realistically on the left to go to war and to fight wars. And especially if it's like a moral kind of crusade where it's like, Oh, the refugees, we need to help them. We have to attack Syria. I think you can get Democrats on board with that, but that maybe still isn't the right move. Uh, and I think she gets a lot of support by being hawkish where I don't think Bernie is that way. Um, like I wrote before, like I said before, Hillary is very good at stating what the protocol is. We got into that. Um, Sanders looked fine during this foreign policy discussion. I got a snap from someone I forget. And I apologize that I don't remember who it was, but he said he didn't, that, uh, Bernie didn't look great at certain points during the foreign policy discussion. I respectfully disagree with that. Although I would like to see a more substantive strategic foreign policy debate in the future where they actually have to talk about strategy as opposed to just general ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something worth seeing. I mean, I think Hillary probably has more, definitely has more experience as far as the concern, you know, being at the state department and all that. But again, it's a judgment call, Iraq, all that stuff, you know, she's more hawkish. So it's really how you feel about, um, about foreign policy, you know, that's really going to determine that. Also, Hillary never speaks her agreement with anything. She'll nod, but she never verbalizes it. That sneaky fuck. Like you see the split screen, she'll nod along when Bernie's saying mm-hmm. something, but she'll never, you'll never hear her in the background being like, yep, right. He'll do it occasionally, but she'll never do it, which is smart because I guess if there's clips that only have him in it, that just shows her not, you know, she's yeah. not agreeing with him. Um, all right. This is the, it's just a little technical point that I was noticing. Clinton is asked about her seemingly flip-flop support for trade deals like NAFTA and TPP. Sanders shuts this shit down. Hashtag feel the burn. All right. Let me get to this and then we can just listen to the Marco Rubio thing and then we'll get out of here. How's that sound, Joey? Sounds great. All right. Bernie Sanders and Hillary talking about trade pacts. 
Uh, Secretary Clinton, let me turn to the issue of trade. In the 90s, you supported NAFTA, but you opposed it when you ran for president in 2008. As Secretary of State, you supported TPP, and then, uh, which of course is that trade agreement with a lot of Asian countries. But you <laughs> it's such a <laughs> that's the, other, that's the other thing that annoyed me about it. He's like, of course, that trade deal with a lot of um, Asian countries, whatever. Like, they can't get into what TPP is because they don't explain it on the news. They don't no, talk I about know. TPP. So it's like, anytime it comes up, it's just like you know that thing with the Asia or whatever. Like, but the country's trading. Thing. Yeah, that's you know whatever uh, chopsticks. That's you know or something. Whatever we send them uh, trucks and they send us. Uh, Seafood. I don't know. Now oppose it as you make your second bid for president. If elected, should Democrats expect that once you're in office, you will then become supportive of these trade agreements again? You know, Chuck, I've only had responsibility for uh, voting for trade agreements as a senator. And I voted against a multinational trade agreement when I was a senator, the CAFTA agreement. Uh, because I did not believe it was in the best interests of uh, the workers of America, of our incomes, and I opposed it. Now, we played a clip of Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State in Taiwan or somewhere, I forget, remember mm -hmm. we played it, where she is, she is saying we should support the TPP, like you got to yes. get on board with this thing. I did hope that the TPP negotiated by this administration would put to rest a lot of the concerns that many people have expressed about trade agreements. And I said that I was holding out that hope that it would be uh, the kind of trade agreement that I was looking for. I waited until it had actually been negotiated because I did want to give the benefit of the doubt to the administration. Once I saw what the uh, outcome was, I opposed it. Now, I have a very clear view about this. We have to trade with the rest of the world. We are 5% of the world's population. We have to trade with the other 95%. And trade has to be reciprocal. That's the way the global economy works. But we have failed to provide the basic safety net support that American workers need in order to be able to compete and win in the global economy. So it's not just what's in the trade agreement that I'm interested in. Uh, I did help to renegotiate the trade agreement that we inherited from uh, President uh, Bush with Korea. We got the uh, UAW on board because of changes we made. So there are changes that I believe would make a real difference if they could be achieved, but I do not currently support it as it is written. Well, Senator Sanders, uh, I know you want to respond on this. You have Which is an easy thing to say. I don't support it as it's currently written. Fine. Yeah, but if no. you're in there, guess what? I guarantee you'd be signing it. Now he asks, starts asking the question. Now, Senator Sanders, you've never <laughs> supported a trade deal That's since right. you've been in Congress. Absolutely But right. if you do that as president. <laughs> Absolutely right. See, that's the, th that's the fucking difference right there. You've never supported something you don't believe in. Yep. Yep, correct. If you do that as president, how are you not essentially letting China, who will do all of these deals around the world, how are you going to prevent China from Chuck. essentially setting the rules Chuck. of trade for the world? Chuck, I believe in trade. But I do not believe in unfettered free trade. I believe in fair trade, which works for the middle class and working families of this country and not just large multinational corporations. I was not only in opposition to NAFTA, and this is an area where the secretary and I have disagreements. I was not only in opposition to NAFTA, I was on the picket line in opposition <laughs> to NAFTA. Because I understood, I don't think this is really rocket science. 
We heard all of the people tell us how many great jobs would be created. I didn't believe that for a second because I understood what the function of NAFTA, CAFTA, PNTR with China and the TPP is. It's to say to American workers, hey, you are now competing against people in Vietnam who make 56 cents an hour minimum wage. I don't want American workers to compete against people making 56 cents an hour. I don't want companies shutting down in America, throwing people out on the street, moving to China, and bringing their products back into this country. So do I believe in trade? Of course I believe in trade. But the current trade agreements over the last 30 years were written by corporate America, for corporate America, resulted in the loss of millions of decent paying jobs, 60,000 factories in America lost since 2001, millions of decent paying jobs, and also a downward spiral, a race to the bottom, where employers say, hey, you don't want to take a cut in pay? We're going to China. Workers today are working longer hours for low wages. Trade is one of the reasons for that. Uh, wow. Yeah, what powerful. You're not going to hear a lot of people say that. And on top of that, that is a clear dichotomy. She goes, look, I'm cool with the fact that we're going to be paying, you know, 56 cents uh, you know, an hour to workers or whatever, 65, but like we can negotiate, maybe we'll get like 72%, but we're going to work within this framework. He's like, no, we're not going to work within that framework at all. I reject the premise that we're going to compete, that American workers are going to compete against people who live on starvation wages. It's not, it's just not going to entertain the idea of that. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it isn't like trade, but we're going to make the trade process work for us or we don't have to be involved with it. You know what I mean? We yeah. can work on something else. She doesn't. She and it, again, it's just a fun. I think it's just a fundamental difference. It doesn't necessarily make her a bad person. I think she understands protocol. She goes, "Well, that's the way the flow is going. Let's work within that flow." He's like, "No, the the river is flowing the wrong way. We need to. It needs to go south. Make it, a new it needs river. To go north, not south. You know." Uh, so that's anyway. So those are some clips that I thought were interesting from the debate. Any thoughts, Joey? Uh, obviously, we know that he ended up then coming out a couple of days later and beating her by twenty two points in New Hampshire. Yes. Now we just have to see what happens with South Carolina. Yeah, well, of course. Um, all right. Finally, let's close with this. Marco Rubio implodes on the debate stage uh, at the and uh, aided by your buddy, Chris Christie, who's now no longer in the race, uh, but he did a real good job damaging Marco Rubio, which uh, is staggering. Now, this is a clip I got from The Guardian. I didn't uh, make this clip, but this is all we need to talk about. Okay. Rubio repeated himself. I mean, for those of you that don't know, he repeated himself a number of times, the same thing over and over again, yes. like a pre-rehearsed thing. And then Christie just drops an absolute fucking bomb on him. Uh, Christie hits him with the Yokozuna, Yokozuna bonsai drop. Uh, brutal. And then we can we can get done with this uh, this podcast. You ready to listen to Rubio yep. here? All right. This is at the debate Saturday night, which I did watch, but I didn't watch it. I You know, I just like watched yeah. it on TV. And let's dispel once and for all with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. Barack Obama is undertaking a systematic effort to change this country, to make America more like the rest of the world. But I would now it flashed forward. Okay, so that was one instance. Mm -hmm. Later in the debate. Add this. Let's dispel with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is trying to change this country. He wants America to become more like the rest of the world. Here's the bottom. Now fast Okay, second time he said the exact same thing. Now this is the flash forward again. And it's a split screen with him and Christie, and Christie really just ends his... I mean, man, this is brutal. 
Bottom line, this notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing is just not there true. There it is. He knows exactly what he's doing. There it is. The memorized 25-second speech. Well, that's the, that's there the it reason is, everybody. why this campaign is so important. Marco, the thing is this. When you're president of the United States, when you're a governor of a state, the, the memorized 30-second speech where you talk about how great America is at the end of it doesn't solve one problem for one person. They expect you to plow the snow. They expect you to get the schools open. And when the worst natural disaster in your state's history hits you, they expect you to rebuild their state, which is what I've done. None of that stuff happens on the floor of the United States Senate. It's a fine job. I'm glad you ran for it. But it does not prepare you for president of the United States. And then Christy waddled his ass back to New Jersey and, yeah. and that was it. And he damaged Rubio. I mean, Rubio obviously didn't do himself any favors there, but I, I don't know. No. He just, he just didn't know what to do. He just panicked. He panicked. He panicked. Um, so anyway, so that's what happened to Rubio. I mean, we had, again, we picked Sanders and, and Rubio in New Hampshire, which I think was a good pick on our part, but it wasn't I mean, for the debate. Yeah. I mean, shit happens. What, what are yeah. you going to do? We, we, you know, we made that prediction before that happened. Um, not that I think Trump probably still would have won, but Rubio would, would have been cl- close, obviously. Um, man, it's a, that's a, that's a tough one. That's a judgment one. And also at the beginning of that debate, I don't know if you saw it or not. The thing where they were supposed to come out one by one, the Republican oh, and Carson messed that up. Yeah. yeah. Carson. I don't, well, who knows what actually happened, but Carson was standing in the hallway there, like where they're walking out and the cameras on them and they're introducing the other guys first. And I don't know if Carson thought he was supposed to go first or he couldn't hear what was going on, which is a possibility or whatever. Um, and then he just stood there like a goofball as the other ones went by him. And he just kind of like, looked confused and it looked like a bad moment for him. That right there is exemplary of like, could you be president? Because if that was, if you could be president, you wouldn't just stand there like an idiot. You either walk back or you just go out to the podium anyway and be like, whoops, you know, sorry. I, I, you, I don't you, know if that's a fair assessment. Well, he stood there wheels, wheels stuck in a ditch. You know what I mean? He, they weren't, he just didn't know what to do. I know. I'm just saying it's a, it's a little, little microcosm of like, what would you do under pressure what would you do? And he just stood there. It doesn't matter. I mean, the guy's not going to be president. I'm just saying. I know. You you get it? Yes, I got it. Joey, final thoughts on the episode? Anything you want to say to the Samsonites? Anything? I thought it went well. Yeah, you thought it was good. I mean, I, again, I told you guys a little bit of a, a pastiche, a little, uh, a little bit of a bunch of quick hits in the middle of the stuff. Um, you know, a bit of a busy week. I didn't have... Not that I didn't have time to like look into stuff, but it, but there was nothing crazy overwhelming other than uh, the New Hampshire that I felt like we needed to get to. Um, I have a lot of stuff already kind of lined up for next week that I cut out of this episode and whatever mm-hmm. will be fine. Um, no primaries, no debates, I think, for the next week. So next Ooh. week will just be uh, you know a straight episode. That'll be good, which is also worse for Hillary because it's another week of nothing's happening. So everybody's just sitting in the stew of Bernie crushed you in New Hampshire and you just got to yep. deal with that. Um, all right, Samsonites, we love you so much. Thank you for supporting the program. As always, we really appreciate it. Um, share this podcast. Listen to some old episodes. Subscribe on iTunes. Try to get somebody else to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment. Rate us. That'd be great. Um, even on the SoundCloud, let me know how you listen to this podcast. We're just trying to, you know, just anecdotally, we're trying to get some, some like at the studio, we're yes. trying to get some information whatever we're gonna put out some surveys maybe potentially whatever but just let me know and i'd really appreciate it if you guys could like rate and subscribe to the podcast if you've already have then we love you and thank you continue to listen to the program you can go to soundcloud.com slash mandatory samson listen to this episode all the other episodes that we've ever put out you can leave comments on the track and i, I respond to those if they're specific to joey joey gets back to you guys as well um 
youtube.com slash mandatory Samson. Full episode videos go up every week. Um, I get them up pretty, pretty close to midnight. I mean, it takes, depends on how, you know what I have to do that night. If I edit them, if they get uploaded quickly, but they're up definitely mm-hmm. by, fr- you know, the next day they're up. Um, you can also watch the show stream live every Thursday at 4 PM. We're pretty good about starting on time. Uh, you can email us mandatory Samson at gmail.com. I respond to all those emails, sticker requests, whatever it is. And if the uh, emails seem appropriate, I read them on the show. They help us inform our discussion. Twitter.com slash mansamp. That's me. Twitter.com slash Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled with a Z. That's the sweetheart to my right. Mm-hmm. You can also get in touch with us on Snapchat with the exact same usernames. And you guys can go to comedyvoices.com to listen to all the other programs that are on this network with us race wars invasion of privacy the tfm podcast which i'm also uh, a producer on and other shows that i produce tuesdays with stories ranting and raving the whole nine yards in the conversation whatever you want to do you can go to uh, comedyvoices.com and check it out other than that that's about it and uh we love you guys again and we'll talk to you next week <laughs>